So, John. Yes. Can I tell you what spin frequency is? What? Spin frequency. Can I tell you what it is? Yes. It's a space to connect with friends that are not yet my friend, or they're my friend already, and to go into a heart space, into a space of hyper connection of saying the things that scare you, going to the places where you've evolved or you've transformed or the things that you have gained or learned along your way or remembered that you'd like to share with other people that are listening that could inspire them to return to their heart space, to return to feeling, um, to for people to hear a space of me speaking with someone I love or people I love and navigating, letting go of the noise of the mind, letting go of speaking from the mind and speaking from feeling instead and on whatever pace that journey takes mm -hmm. and in that awakening process. Um, and it, this actually scares me a lot to be here right now speaking with you recording because I haven't recorded with anybody in about three and a half months. So yeah, fuck yeah, the opening into recording you again and breaking that veil of... <laughs> I think that's John's airplane mode telling him it's, it's on airplane mode. <laughs> you are forgiven, John. But he told me to shut the airplane mode off. Here, why don't you pass on your phone? <laughs> that was a nice bounce. So this this season of um, Spin Frequency, this is the second episode of season four and it's got a theme of the places that scare you. Um, so I'm going to open it up with what's scaring me right now. What I feel that's scaring me right now is not having enough to say. Us not having enough of a connection to actually create a space that is a great recording or a space that we're actually connected and um, for me to really feel into why I I'm involved in this podcast why 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 I created it why it has grown over the last year and really feel why I love it so much again to allow it to di direct some of my life in the movements I make and allow it to be something that I really deeply love as I haven't been giving it so much energy in recording the last three and a half months and just trusting that this space of it opening. And that's why I wanted to bring you on the podcast, Jonathan, in the space you're in, as we've recorded for 36 hours together already on <laughs> the longest podcast in the, in, in a breaking the world, world records, world record breaking longest podcast of Attempt. all time. Attempt. Attempt. That, um, Didn't quite get there. Did you did you record thirty six hours? No, we didn't get it. I felt like you're recording the whole time. Yeah, but I deep down knew you were. No, <laughs> not even close. So what the fuck was that? In uh, in us all, were, were we lying to all the people that we were recording? Everyone we brought up, it was like we all had this feeling like it was being recorded. It wasn't, and I could see my recorder was dead. There was nothing happening, <laughs> and me actually pressing it making the person believe it was recording oh, going wow. fully into the podcast space yeah, like wow. what the fuck is that wow what, 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 was, what was that like what, what game were we in what like no from my from my angle it wasn't like it wasn't recording we just didn't amass 36 hours and it wasn't 36 hours straight if we were to do like textbook 36 hour podcast it would be a live recording there would be somebody officiating Right, so observing 
critiquing, making sure it was to the book, and a continuous 36-hour podcast. We just didn't have the team for it. We didn't have the organization for it. We didn't plan ahead enough for it. It was just like, it was like amateur hour, honestly, of like, we're going for it. And it was like fun, mostly, but in terms of actually backing up the... I was I would say bullshit is the right way to approach like it, to back up our bullshit we didn't have what we needed we didn't have the artillery we got to experience what it would be like to have infinite possibilities from infinite places and to have a bold bold vision yeah of no one in San Marcos would it would go hungry again no everyone in San Marcos eats that yeah. was the the what would you call it the slogan, the statement, the, the vision. Honestly, I can't take any credit, nor can I. Um, I don't really know if I'm fully aligned with that anyway in the first place. Um, I was actually writing the book when that was communicated to the world. So, like, doing impact wasn't even something that was on my radar. But to just go with you on this point, yeah, it was, it was basically like the. Uh, like the the theme or the the pitch or the uh, the motto that we had or the tagline that we had maybe taglines right away because the theme was impact and like the impact we wanted to make locally was that people wouldn't you know have to eat but like full transparency we didn't even collect any money at the door so like we didn't even make any money from the event to then share it with anybody so you know we, like I said it was just like didn't have the team for it it was a fun vision though we, we went for it the execution not so hot a lot of lessons there in leadership for anyone in the world that's trying to create community or create events that do good in the world you need to be organized what's your name Jonathan Jonathan what Jonathan Andrews so for those who just heard your voice for the first time listening, you're Jonathan Andrews, and how would you describe yourself? Who are you? I would describe myself as um, yeah, like mixture. I think I have a, a lot of dichotomy in my life, like ambitious, but also risk adverse and um, very disciplined and hardworking, and yet, you know, addicted, and uh, allow myself to succumb to maybe lower vibration or, you know, uh, fear a lot. I just I think, who am I? The way I see myself, the way I perceive myself, changes a lot depending on how I'm feeling and what I'm doing. But I guess a lot of the, one of my challenges is like I read a lot of spiritual texts about I am, I am all, I am consciousness, I am divinity, and then maybe the actual belief that that's the case isn't fully there. I don't know if your listeners can resonate with that, if they're, they like Eckhart Tolle or Alan Watts or reading Buddhist texts or Hindu texts or Zen texts, but a lot of the philosophy is that 
I am. And how do you let go of the identification with the fear that comes in and makes you believe that you're it? Makes me believe that I am that fear. How do I let go of identification with that? I suppose I might not have the best solution for that. Like, I often try to win games of the mind in the mind, if that makes sense. Where it's like, okay, I've identified that I'm afraid or with this mental position, like as an example, um, one of the ones that is constant in my life is that uh, I'm broken. Or I'm falling apart. Right, even over the last couple weeks, I had a, I had a scare, whether um, physiologically true or not, the power of belief, as you know, convinced me that it was true that I was dying. I spent three days curled up in the fetal position and I couldn't breathe. I was trying to pull air into my lungs, but I wasn't able to capture any air. Um, I could exhale, but pulling in was almost impossible. I just couldn't couldn't fill my lungs. Um, and I don't know, you know, uh, James Allen wrote, "As a man thinketh, you are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you." So I'm wondering if that identification that you talked about with this fear has led me to where I am now. Right, did my thoughts take me here? And then where, where is it taking me if it's taking me here? And so when I say I try to win games of the mind with the mind, it's like what I end up trying to do is think more positive. Right, so I'm in fear now, and then I try to catch myself and say, no, you know, I am strong. You know, I, have the, I can be athletic. I can be relaxed. I'm capable of overcoming this. I will be strong, I will be athletic. Try to envision myself doing things that are athletic for a long time, just to be totally transparent with you. I couldn't imagine myself, I couldn't visualize myself running. I couldn't visualize myself lifting things. Like the vision was lost, like I couldn't see it anymore. And that's right in the Bible, it says, those without vision perish. Right? And so, like, this game of the mind, uh, James Allen wrote, cherish your visions. Cherish your ideals. Cherish the music that stirs in your heart. The beauty that forms in your mind. The loveliness that drapes your purest thoughts. For out of them will grow all delightful conditions, all heavenly environment. Of these, if you will remain true to them, your world will at last be built. So that's where I go when I'm captured by the fear, is I try to remember my vision, try to remember the world that I'm trying to build, because James said, if I hold that true, that it'll eventually come to fruition. 
But again, that's a game of the mind that I'm trying to win with the mind. So it's possible, you know, I think Ian might come in here, our buddy Ian Gabriel, who's been on your podcast before, Freestyle God, um, and other spirit, more spiritually focused, right? Because it's mind, body, spirit. That's a mind play, so to speak. Um, but the spiritual focus may be just not identifying with that, having the thought and then creating space from it and saying, who said that in the first place? Where does that come from? Who's thinking that? I experienced a big flip in my experience today. I was aware I was going to flip when I got to the beach after a day of experiences that built up my identification. I started, so when Ian came to the beach and came over to me, and it could have been a lovely interaction of hugging him and feeling nice in a nice interaction, I was like, I wasn't feeling that. Mm. Because he asked me, how am I? And I said, I am stressed. Mm. So in that moment, I was an embodiment of stress. And I didn't want to him to be overcome by the feeling that had built up in my being over the day that had started to come into a pace where my energy body was no longer in my awareness it was starting to get noisy and pick and points in the body that got tense and hard and I knew by going to the beach that I would be reborn again. Sometimes when I come away from awareness so far, so far from the all-knowing awareness of being present and allowing that to birth in every moment with breath, the majesty and magicalness of the moment. And when that's not actually birthing and I'm not feeling that in every moment, it's great to know that I can go to the beach and I know that I'll leave that beach embodied. And it was a process. I feel I never know where the, the pop's gonna come from, where the awareness of what I've been feeding like the tubes in the matrix when they're hooked to you in different yeah. points and it's like it's hooked to me here and like I know it's there and I'm embodying it and I'm believing it and I don't know how to get around it I don't even know how to vocalize out of it it's like I can't feel it it's like what is this and in your book man you know I got you you spoke about bringing the unconscious into consciousness in some spaces that can flip in a moment, boom, you're present, you're aware, and you have an automatic like dropping feeling where that tube once was, metaphorically. And then you're like, you just start getting blast off awarenesses and realizations and you can't wait to tell everybody. And then there's some journeys that are just, feel a bit thicker and they go on a bit longer. feeling my energy body now and wondering in those long thick blankets 
that I've been in, is there anything that I can share from the long, thick blanket and getting out of those blankets and feeling free right now? That I can share for anyone listening to this in a thick blanket. That doesn't know how to get out or get in. Or can't even put into words what the fuck is going on. Or it's just suffering has taken over. pain body is literally just got a hold and it's the seesaw is a little bit on one side birds singing as I just listen to the silence <laughs> that peace in the stillness of just feeling like I'm vibrating and nothing else to feel safe And I've read so many books that says where your heart is, is home. Where you can drop and relax is home. It's been my vision to feel that wherever I am, whatever room I'm in, whatever space I'm in. And untangling the stories and fears that make me tense in a room. Is there anything making you feel tense right now? Nope. I'm laying down, for those that can't see us, which is everybody, I'm laying down in the fetal position on a comfy bed, and uh, this has been, for me, one of the only comfortable positions I've been able to find. Um, but I, I, I've been able to do it at the beach, too, so the beach has been a place for me that has been home. I can do it here on this mattress, I can do it on the beach floor, and I can curl up and, and just kind of let my body relax. So, um, no man, things are good at, at the moment. I did have one thought though, based off of what you said about, you know, people being in a, like a thick spot. You say a thick blanket? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, they do talk about, he does, Eckhart Tolle talks about this in The Power of Now, where some challenges you're experiencing in your life, he says there's a big difference between pain and suffering. That pain is something that, you know, comes. It could be discomfort. You feel it in a variety of different ways. Um, but for a lot of people, it's acute, acute pain. But sometimes there's things that are chronic, and that they've been there for a long time. So this thing, think blanket you're talking about. And uh, he basically describes three ways out of anything, which is um, if you find your here and now intolerable, you have one of three options. You can fully accept it. You can change it. Or you can remove yourself from the situation. 
So for me in the place where I'm at right now, I, uh, I really only feel like the two make sense, which is to not fight the fact that I feel discomfort and fight the fact that I'm in pain with my body and fight the fact that, um, you know, I'm having a hard time breathing or that a lot of the solutions that I've tried haven't worked and just accept where I'm at in this present moment. Not accept it as in don't try to make it better because a person that's 400 pounds and their life's falling apart because their heart's going to explode if they don't get their health under control, right? You can't just say, I'm not going to lose weight. Like, if you don't lose weight, you're probably going to die. But fully accepting it in the present moment so that the pain doesn't become suffering. So if you're feeling that blanket, which I have been for a long time, that heavy blanket, I, I'm accepting my pain, but I'm not accepting suffering. And the only way out of the suffering is by being present with what I'm experiencing. And then from there, I can actually go work on it, take action. So for anyone that's in that thick spot, like you don't have a choice other than to accept it. It's kaleidoscopic. Oh shit! It's like like your face is kind of turning into Ian's, and um, I'm getting like silvery flashes around your body. Your whole body is no longer brown. Uh, yeah, for the uh, for the listeners, too bad you can't see me on video. My tan is amazing right now. <laughs> it is. You're very very brown. And my tan is sick. Well, brown that that isn't a great way of describing it it's shiny brown it's golden not sweaty or like it's 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 glimmering it's what any woman that's getting um fake tanner this is the goal this yeah. man is on this is the, the gold gold standard tan out here yeah anything else from the book strike you as a uh, useful to ponder yeah, pornography is the one that I spoke to yesterday about. Of, I definitely feel maybe I have some um, righteous beliefs about porn pornography and any beliefs that I have in there, I'm willing to uncreate and destroy them all 100%. Um, the whole identification with women and men as just being sexual objects was the reason why I stopped Um watching pornography moved into I didn't call it celibacy but stopped fornicating with women when was that? that was um, back in 2017 and 18 two years wow and I felt like my whole life was just like chasing women sure I felt like every night it was just like if I didn't have a woman that was wanting me I didn't want myself um, I did. It was just like it felt like terror to go home by myself. 
mm. to be in my bed alone and then if I which having alcohol gave me the confidence then to communicate to to those I was attracted to and then if I didn't get it then it usually turns into eating lots of food then because I'd be drunk then and then I'd eat lots of food True. go home to bed with the food and then wake up in the morning just with the stomach full of food loaded or with a woman beside me that I don't want to be beside anymore hmm. it's like either way it was I wasn't waking up to the sun yeah I, I was waking up to the sun but I wasn't aware of it hmm. because it didn't feel intentional it felt like I was in a spiral with it it didn't feel like it was intentional it it felt like I was not not that I wasn't in control I was I was just acting upon craving after craving after craving after craving. It was just a spiral and life of cravings. Hmm. Um, well, that does sound like you weren't in control. Maybe I was in control. Maybe I was liberating myself. Maybe I felt that every time I was going to have that pizza, every time I was going to have that woman, I was going to feel great after. Yeah. So in a way, the storyline was I was in control. I was liberating myself. So who the fuck was I? Who was this I I was identified with mm. that wanted to support the I in the morning to have a loads of food, loads of kebab in its stomach that it didn't even chew, that it tastes like puke in its mouth? Did that did that I love that I very mm. much? I don't know, maybe in a different planet, but not in this one. It doesn't feel. Um, so it, it feels like it came from meeting a woman in Byron Bay. Her name was Isabel. Her name still is, I'm sure. Um, and I started eating vegetables around her and I stopped eating meat at the same time and I feel like I had an awakening to feeling around, the, around that time I had an awakening to someone hearing me and listening to me and calling me out on my bullshit just by looking at me and listening at me and actually feeling me as I'm talking mm-hmm. not believing what I was saying feeling me as I was speaking the words didn't matter it was like she could see how I was feeling and that o- opened my whole world to how I could see the world because she was seeing how I was feeling. So then when I was getting the meat and potatoes and no vegetables and chips and kebabs and all these things and this beautiful woman watching me as I'm unconsciously swallowing food, I was like... She created some awareness there. I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is horrible. I was like, I can't do that to her. Why the fuck would I do it to myself? And I hadn't been in a long-term relationship at that point. I was 21 years old. Mm. And I had these desires of being in one with this woman and these ideas. And then I met this woman and I was like, she wouldn't want to be my boyfriend. Look what I'm turning up as. Look what I'm doing to myself. I'm going to end up doing that to her. Because <laughs> if I don't look at it in me, I'm going to end up programming her to believe that that's the way. Yeah. For her to... But she wasn't willing. Yeah. She very open artistic woman and had no attachment to me in any way shape or form and I was used to a woman in my house who was attached to me my mom so I got to see a whole new world of woman that wasn't attached to me but loved me and wanted the best for me and really she could see the magnificent Michael she could see the light being in me as I expressed authentically more and more and I could see her loving me and I was 
the difference between this woman and all the women that I was sleeping with on these nights I left every conversation with her with new ideas of how to improve myself mm. she wasn't giving me the juice she wasn't sleeping with me and giving me what I wanted and going drinking with me doing all these things she wasn't giving me that space she was giving me what she was willing to, to share and it didn't make me end up feeling like nothing after when she ended up leaving to go back to Thailand because she loved me in a way and allowed me to love her in a way that didn't have an attachment I was just excited for life as she was leaving she left me with loads of areas to move into of like interesting what would it be like to cook a meal and actually feel the food that you're cooking with and not just stressed grab food and throw it in the pan and it's like to bring some awareness to, to consumption yeah to be present with your food and that changes everything because then you start to see how you're talking with someone how you're talking to your mom how you're talking to the shopkeeper how's your body feel when you're in, in the bus and you're waiting it's like what's that waiting energy feel like who the fuck are you then it's like it draws presence from all around Let me interject and just say this is exactly what you started the quote, didn't finish the quote, but that's okay, um, of the chapter, the first chapter of the book, which is based off of an idea from Carl Jung, which is until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it faith. So it sounded to me like before you met this woman, you had a lot of unconscious behavior and by being in the presence of someone that was very conscious, very present, it helped create that consciousness within you. And you started to look at yourself. She was almost uh, one of the, the, we like to use the word, like a mirror for you. And you could begin to see, oh, why? maybe I'm not eating as consciously and healthily and as present as I could. And maybe I'm not treating my body as well as I could. Or maybe I'm not interacting with the people that I love with as much love that I could. Right? And, and, and conscious people can do that to you and for you. Right? So that, she was a gift in your life then. Thank you as well. And that's really beautiful to feel that the journey out of suffering is enlaced with love. There's no awakening without love, and it's not a prison sentence, the awakening movement. It's amazing. Re-identifying who you are and falling in love with yourself. And those moments that I can remember, I've been like, how could I have been doing, what was it or I could do that to me? Yeah. How... How could I let myself... I'm speaking in words here of like, I don't even know what the myself or whatever it is. is like, how could this have happened? And I suppose that's probably a bit of in the journey of healing or moving a trauma. It's like that moment of grief. I've been like, when a loved one dies maybe and you go through the moments of like, how could this have happened to me? How could she have gone? Or 
and in the death of myself and realigning with who I really am and stop feeding this illusion that has been created by, by my life to make me believe that I'm not love, to make me believe that I'm fearful and whatever manifests from there. And that part of the journey where I grieve, forgive myself, and this again can happen in one breath or it can be a two year journey or it can be another lifetime maybe, of forgiving yourself, you don't need to feel guilty anymore, it happened, no need for shame, what's available right now? How much can I love myself right now? How much can I love the mirrors around me when I'm around them? And you brought in the energy before of just like to cherish and to adore every moment and every breath and every gaze. All those portals allow you to see people and the mass disappears. And then the whole visuals of reality shift a bit. There's a, a liberation from the idea that it is the way it is. There's a lot more going on here than, than we think. <laughs> um, and it's beautiful having you marry me right now because every time I delve into that frequency of that, you shapeshift again. Your face just warps. Mm-hmm. Is that mental health issues? Is that like people listening here that maybe have had some visuals, like, by the way, I'm sober. Um, I, 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 well, I've just been on fruit and veg all day and water and love and navigation. And the ocean. And the ocean. Um, and the ocean is a teacher for me of, I go there and I feel miraculous after, even though the ocean's not beating me. Well, maybe she does. The ocean's not beating me up for everything I've done all day. Maybe she is in a certain perspective. For me, it's like, come swim with me and you're just gonna, you're free. Let all your worries, leave all your worries with your bag. Let's go swim. Nice. That's a frequency that I feel is available in my heart and in yours and all of our hearts to embody that kind of space to feel no worries and to support others into weightlessness and to, to let them leave their load and they can pick it up on on their way out at some meditators yoga like you say that it's like you pick it up on your way out again but while you're here it's just like adore every, every every second and if you're not able to adore those around you or you can't cherish them and you're not willing to or you don't want to maybe again one of the three that Eckhart Tolle talks about is leaving sometimes leaving is the thing mm-hmm. I feel like that was the fir- one of the first steps for me was leaving Ireland and being like I'm going to Australia for three years. I'm leaving this. I just realized this is misery. I didn't know it was misery. I thought this was normal. I thought everyone felt like this. But they didn't. Because I started to meet people like Isabel. Mm. And I was like, no. There's something else going on here. There's other people experiencing other things. I've got to go. This is like the heart, the feeling of the heart having a flame in it began. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, what's this? It's like, can you go towards that? And once you start going into that and start trusting it, no matter what the story is that you don't have enough money or you don't have whatever, 
it all comes once you walk in if you're willing to be vulnerable enough to say that yeah I do actually want to do that yeah. I want to try that I love myself enough to and if I get to the other side and I still want to kill myself or I want to get to the other side and I'm still done with it and I'm suffering and it's not at least you give it a go because a change of setting and a change of space and environment can be a great um, shift of how things are supposed to be in your probably closed down reality of just getting used to things and getting stuck in certain cycles. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, if you ever read James Clear, he wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And I guess this is like a, a little bit of a, a dichotomy because at the end of the day, you're fully responsible for everything that happens in your life, all the decisions you make, all the choices you make. That being said, he says, and they observed in their study, that environment is actually the invisible hand of human behavior. Well, even the most disciplined individuals over long periods of time will conform and shape themselves to the environment that they're in. So if you find your, you know, if you find, obviously, again, like it comes down to you're responsible for your life and the decisions you make. And if your now is intolerable, one of the things you can do to change things up, shake it up, you know, put yourself in a position to make some new decisions is to change your environment. Like you did, you went to Australia. What was that like for you? The thing that comes up, I was traveling with my best friend at the time. And we held each other very beautifully as brothers and friends we had a camper van together that's so cool we put a badge on the side of the van route 69 mechanical repairs so we could park on any street and it to think it's a work van <laughs> <laughs> we put a playstation 3 and a flat screen tv <laughs> carpeted walls it was just the ultimate led oh uh, you guys are jokes we parked at mcdonald's got high watched napoleon dynamite <laughs> At three in the morning, went in for another another McDonald's and came out and got high again. We just that was the beginning of Australia. Those jokes. Us just doing whatever we wanted, liberating ourselves. Oh, he started his trip in Australia. Him and his buddy were in a camper van. Like, uh -huh. Him and his buddy were in a camper van. 